0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen, wa sallallahu ala Nabiyyina Muhammad, wa ala wa sahbihi wa sallam. We continue the discussion on the bulugh al-Maram, sharh kitab al-Siyam from bulugh al-Maram, explaining the book of fasting from bulugh al-Maram. And the author, rahimahullah, mentioned related the hadith of uh, Abu Huraira رضي الله عنه حديث 538 قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من لم يدع قول الزور والعمل, والعمل به والجهل فليس لك حاجة فليس لله حاجة في أن يدع طعامه وشرابه ورواه البخاري وأبو داود واللفظ له and this hadith narrated by Abu Hurairah رضي الله that Allah's messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم said, whoever does not abandon falsehood and action in accordance with it and foolishness. Allah has no need that he should abandon his food and drink. And we should put this, uh, no need, uh, between parentheses, uh, for the future. Okay? Uh, When we get all of this, inshallah, on the site, the text and the uh, material... So, we can make a note of this now. Yeah. So, whoever does not abandon falsehood. What is falsehood? Azur. kull kaulin muharram fahwa kaulu Any forbidden saying is falsehood. including testimony of falsehood, insults, (coughs) cursing, and the like. (coughs) And then acting or reaction in accordance with it. So therefore, every action which is forbidden is included (coughs) to be falsehood. Also foolishness and transgression against others. Then this is also considered falsehood. Then here, Allah has no need that he should abandon his food and drink. This term need does not mean al Hajah, does not mean that which is understood in the Arabic language, which, in which it means that the person uh, is, uh, to a certain extent, needs something. Uh, such that if this is not available with him, then his affairs are affected. No, this does not mean this. This means want to. And so therefore the meaning is, Allah does not want him to fast so that he abandons his food and drink and becomes hungry and thirsty. Just as what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in Surah Al-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 147. ما يفعل الله بعذابكم إن شكرتم وآمنتم Why should Allah punish you if you have thanked Him and have believed in Him? So this is because of something high and lofty. And that is for Him to abandon falsehood and action in accordance and foolishness. This is wisdom from the fasting. Also this is supported by the saying of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala ya ayyuhalladhina amanu kutiba alaykumus siyamu kama kutiba al ladhina min qablikum la'allakum All who you believe fasting has been prescribed upon you as it has been prescribed upon those before you so that you may achieve piety and this is the cause the reason so that you achieve piety become pious it's not therefore hunger, and thirst. Is that clear? Alhamdulillah. From the benefits of this hadith, from the benefits of this hadith, is the affirmation that it is forbidden for the fasting individual, the believer, uh, to commit falsehood. And that here because the Prophet mentioned this so as to make it clear that the fasting believer his reward will diminish if he commits falsehood. And also his reward diminishes by acting in accordance with it and also due to foolishness. And also this hadith affirms the wisdom Regarding Allah's legislations, because He said Allah has no need, quote unquote, for Him to abandon His food and drink. Then what is it, therefore? It means that He should fear Allah and abandon falsehood and acting in accordance with it and foolishness. And therefore, this affirms the hikmah to Allah, the wisdom to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding His legislations. Now, if someone says or asks the point or raises the point, these methods are forbidden, whether in fasting or in, you know, without being, uh, without fasting. So, what is therefore special about uh, linking it to fasting? The answer is, if it is done by the fasting believer, then it, its sin increases. And Imam Ahmad reported in his Musnad, although a weak chain in his Musnad, with a weak chain of narration, that two women, during the time of the Prophet ﷺ, sat to talk, backbiting people. And, so they became, and then they became very, very thirsty and almost they died. And so the Prophet ﷺ invited them, called them, and ordered them to vomit And they vomited uh, pus and uh, flesh. And the Prophet said these two women fasted and refrained from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made permissible for them. And they break the fast upon that which Allah had forbidden them one of them said to the other, eating the flesh of people. This hadith, although it is weak, then there is no harm in uh, using it in a station of warning with the condition, however, that we should not believe that the Prophet said it. And now if someone says, The one who says falsehood, does this entail that this breaks his fast or acts in accordance with it or and foolishness, do you invalidate his fasting? The answer is, the scholars differed regarding this matter. Some of them said that his fasting becomes invalid. They argued that these actions are forbidden in fasting. And others, on the other hand, mentioned that these actions don't invalidate the fasting and that what is intended by the Prophet ﷺ is the warning from these actions. قال الإمام أحمد, أحمد رحمه الله said if ghiba, if backbiting, invalidate the fasting, then we wouldn't have any fasting. This is why Imam Ahmad saying these things, because there is, يعني, few are those who don't backbite, and the utterance and doing these matters, saying falsehood, acting in accordance with it and foolishness by doing the haram of falsehood. The correct position is that they don't invalidate the fasting, but they diminish. They diminish it and make one miss the wisdom behind the fasting. And here there is an important foundation for everyone to think about and write it down as well. Anyone who does an action that is forbidden, an action that is forbidden in a particular worship, if this forbidden is due to the worship, then it nullifies the worship and invalidates it. And if this forbidden is general, then it does not invalidate it. This is a very important foundation with the scholars, rahimahumullah. Let's take examples on it. The forbidden talk and the forbidden actions, are they meant for the fasting or general? The answer is general. Backbiting is forbidden always. Doing the forbidden act is also always forbidden. And foolishness is forbidden always. So if the fasting individual commits this, this does not nullify the fasting. While on the other hand, eating for the fasting is haram. This is related to the worship. You see that? So, if the person eats while fasting, then this, his fasting is nullified. Why? Because the forbiddance of fasting is, is because is the forbiddance of eating is it due to the fasting, is related to the fasting itself. Is that clear? You see the difference between the two? The first is general forbidden, always forbidden. So, therefore, it does not nullify the worship, but it diminishes it. It diminishes its rank, it diminishes it from its reward. But that which is related to thee, it is made forbidden because of the worship itself. Then, if it is done, that it nullifies the worship. Take another example, if someone prays, and in front of him there is a woman... And he began enjoying looking at her. That does not nullify his salah. Why? Because this is generally forbidden. And it is not made forbidden because of salah. So therefore it does not invalidate the salah. And this foundation benefits the seeker of knowledge. So make note of it. This foundation Benefits the seeker of knowledge. The next hadith 538 or 539. The hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha) kalat, can a Nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yuqabbil wa huwa sa'im? ويباشر وهو صائم ولكنه كان أملككم لإربه متفق عليه واللفظ لمسلم وزاد في رواية في رمضان عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها said that Allah's messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم He used to kiss and fondle while he was fasting but he was the one among you who had most control over his sexual desire. And this is agreed upon. And the wording is that of Muslim. And another narration, he has the addition quote during Ramadan. And this is meaning this took place during Ramadan. كان يقبل كان the term kana used to most of the scholars in usul al-fiqh and the principles of fiqh specialty they say if the term kana kana yuqab if its verb is in the present tense then it indicates continuity but this is not something absolute but this is mostly it indicates continuity so in any narration therefore when you see in these narrations when you see kana يفعل he used to do then most likely it indicates continuity but there sometimes there comes situations when it may not indicate continuity, as it is affirmed from the Prophet ﷺ that he used to recite in the Jumu'ah Surah Sabbaha or Sabah isma al-A'la and Surah al-Ghashiyah and in another narration, he used to recite Al-Jumu'ah, Surah al-Jumu'ah and Surah al-Munafiqin so therefore overall, and most Often, it indicates continuity, but not in every case. It doesn't mean that whenever he fasted, he, he used to kiss. That it means that this occurred from him during fasting. And kissing is known. And the one kissed in this hadith is known. And she is Aisha, رضي الله عنها. And the man kisses his wife on her cheek, or on her forefront, or on her lips. And the kiss is divided into three types. The first type, that absolutely it is not accompanied by desire, lust, only due to mercy, mercy and kindness, like the man kissing his son, the mother kissing her children, and the like. This is the first type. The second type is that it takes place due to desire, but the individual has control such that he may save his fasting. Like in this case, this hadith, then this is permissible for the one who is able to have control. The third type is desire-driven, but fears that he may invalidate his fasting. This is forbidden. And it may be disliked in accordance with the drive of that may follow this situation where it may lead to the either the invalidation of the fasting or he may be able to escape the situation, depending on the sexual drive and ability to control. The ruling regarding touching and repetitive looking is the same as with the kiss. Because they take the same meaning. So if he fears invalidating his fasting, then it is forbidden upon him to do these things even with you know with the with with the one whom it is permissible for him to look at her. So he used Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to kiss Aisha. Not only that, but Fondle with her, and this is more intense, meaning that he would fondle, but not directly. uh, Other meaning, in other than her private part. Wahu saim while he was fasting, meaning clear. However. He was the one who among you had most control over his sexual desire. Meaning he was able to control himself and control his need or control his uh, private part. Meaning not engaging in intercourse. And he, amongst mankind, was the most in control over his sexual desire. So it's not possible that he may fall into haram. From the benefits of this hadith of Aisha, عنها, is that the permissibility for the fasting person to kiss and fondle with his wife. That is because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to do that. And the origin regarding the actions of the Prophet Sallallahu is that they are halal, lawful. But if someone raises the point that this is particular to him, meaning to the Prophet Sallallahu because Aisha said he had most control over his sexual desire, then the answer to this is to say that in origin, no particularization, because Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, when He intends a ruling that is particular to the Prophet والسلام, He would make that clear. As for example, in the case of the woman who offered herself to be married by the Prophet والسلام, as in Surah Al Ahzab, thirty-three, fifty. Surah -ah Al-Ahzab 3350 And a believing woman, meaning what it means And a believing woman if she offers herself to the Prophet To many her, let's continue the verse Particularly to him, meaning خالصة لك من دون المؤمنين and a believing woman, if she offers herself to the Prophet and the Prophet wishes to marry her, a privilege for you only, not for the rest of the believers. So therefore, this is clear that this is particular to him. So Allah would make that particular to him. But when, with respect to the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, concerning Zaid bin Haritha, for example, in Surah Al-Ahzab 33, 37 And remember when you said to him to Zaid bin Haritha the freed slave of the Prophet وسلم, on whom Allah has bestowed grace by guiding him to Islam and you to O Muhammad have done favor by monumenting him, keep your wife to yourself and fear Allah. So when Zaid had accomplished his desire from her, meaning divorced her, we gave her to you in marriage, so that in future there may be no difficulty to the believers in respect of the marriage in respect of the marriage of the wives of their adopted sons, when the latter have no desire to keep them meaning after they divorce them. Although the action is done by the Prophet ﷺ, his is now an action for all the believers. Is that clear? You see the distinction. When that is particular to the Prophet والسلام, Allah makes it clear that it is particular to him. Naam. So that in the future there may be no difficulty to the believers. Naam. So therefore, this is not only particular to Aisha ﷺ, But it is permissible for the believer, the husband, to kiss his wife with the conditions that if he is able to have control, as we will learn. And second thing is the permissibility to fondle with the private part. Also in this, also in this we learn caution. As to what some people may deduce that which is not wanted. How? Because Aisha said, وَكَانَ أَمْ لَكَّ li لِئِرْبِهِ But he had most control over his sexual desire. Why? Lest someone comes and says, fondling and kissing are permissible from every individual, then it will be said, No. The one who does not, is not able to control himself, it is not permitted for him in order to ward off the excuses. But if the one knows of himself that he is able, then there is no harm upon him to do it. The next benefit is that this action, this action, was done by the Prophet ﷺ during the month of Ramadan. Why this was mentioned? Why? Lest someone says he may have done it in an optional fast and in optional fast it is permissible for the person to go ahead in it or discontinue it. So she mentioned specifically that it was in Ramadan so that no one come under the delusion that it took place during a nafil, optional, fasting. From this hadith also we learn, that which is mentioned by some people, that this semen discharge does not invalidate the fasting, and also the prosthetic fluid discharge does not. And they said, whoever does this, meaning fondling and kissing, then most likely, they said they argued, most likely something may be discharged from him, especially if he is young. Or that Allah had given him strength in regarding this matter. But this is rejected. A rejected opinion. And the angle to reject that is because things that are possible If they are not manifested, then there is no merit to them. Now, the saying of Aisha, وَكَانَ أَمْلَكَكُمْ لِأِرْبِهِ and he was in most control over his sexual desire may indicate to this conclusion that he may fondle and kiss but not to the extent that he may reach the stage of ejaculation. So the correct position regarding this matter, that ejaculating invalidates the fasting. However, the mevi, the prosthetic fluid, which does not come as gushing, uh, is not an invalidator. And the aspect of this is that the seminal discharge... Is from the lust, without any doubt. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala mentioned in the Hadith al-Qudsi, "He abandons his food and drink, and his sexual desire, min ajli, for my sake." And also in the authentic Hadith from the Prophet which is in Sahih Muslim book 5 and number 2198 in Sahih Muslim that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said wa fi bada'i ahadikum sadaqa qala ya rasul allah ayati ahaduna shahwatahu wa yakunu lahu fiha ajr qala ara'aytum La wad'aha fi haram akana alayhi wazr إِذَا وَضَعَهَا فِي الْحَلَالِ كَانَ لَهُ أَجْرٌ And in man's sexual intercourse with his wife, there is sadaqah, it's charity. And they said, O Messenger of Allah, is there reward for him who satisfies his sexual passion among us? He said, tell me, if he were to devote it to something forbidden... Would it not be a sin on his part? Similarly if he were to devote it to something lawful, he should have a reward. Next, some people took from this hadith, the hadith of Aisha, that it is a sunnah for the fasting person to kiss and fondle, and this is not true, this is not correct. Because the Prophet ﷺ did not do this as an act of worship, but only manifesting permissibility. And that's why when Umar bin Abi Salama asked him about this matter, he did not say the Prophet ﷺ did not say that this is from the Sunnah. But rather he made it clear that this is allowable only. So therefore the correcting Is that it is mubah, it is allowable, with the condition that the person does not fear on himself that he may transgress the limit and end up having intercourse or ejaculate. If he fears for this, then he should not indulge in it. Well, alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alamin. This brings the end of the discussion on this narrations al-Qudsi it's in front of you وَفِي أحدكم صدقة. That it is in man's sexual intercourse with his wife there is charity There is charity so they asked, Ya Rasulullah, ayati ahaduna shahwatahu wa لَهُ lahu fiha ajr. The companion said, Messenger of Allah, is there reward the for him who satisfies his sexual passion amongst us? He said, Ara'itum law fi He said, Tell me if he were to devote to something forbidden, meaning devote his sexual intercourse, أَكَانَ alayhi wizard, would it not be a sin on his part? Sure it will. Similarly, if he were to devote it to something lawful, he should have a reward. And this something lawful is his wife. Now, the hadith al Qudsi, okay, He abandons his drink and food and his desire, passion, for my sake.